Welcome to Growing Unicorns, where every week, Holly Chen, Eli Rubel, and me, Karina Edwards, come together with some fun guest hosts at a live interactive discussion where we unpack stories from the trenches while we're working with some of the fastest growing unicorns today. Well, thank you everyone for joining. This is episode five of Growing Unicorns. Um, and we have a very special guest today, Su Chang Chong Chen. And we have Holly and we have myself. Eli is still on paternity leave, but let's have some fun without him. So just <laughs> <laughs> Chong, if you can just intro yourself, tell us your story and just tell more, um, share more with the group about where you've been and what you've been up to. Yeah, my name is Chang Chen. I'm kind of the, the head of growth and marketing at a company called Auto.ai. Um, I am an engineer turned growth marketer. Um, I started my career uh, while I was in college, starting my own e-commerce company. Uh, and in the last 15 years, I've been with smaller companies as well as a bigger corporation like Microsoft. Um, I joined Auto two and a half years ago and when the company was only 10 people uh, and now that we were we are we are really able to scale the company from tens of a thousand users to um, more than 10 million users in, in, in the in the last two and a half years and we are also seeing tremendous growth uh, in, 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 in our revenue as well so i'm super excited to be here today wow that's yeah. such a great growth story from 10 10,000 to 10, 10 million did you say yeah, we, yes, we, we, we definitely have seen really, really exciting user growth as well as uh, revenue growth. That's amazing. Uh, and 10 people to how many people now? Currently, we are hiring aggressively. So if, if someone is interested in new opportunities that we are hiring for engineering, we're hiring for growth marketing, we are, we are, we are hiring for uh, sales as well as product. That's amazing. Uh, I'm super excited to, to learn more. Yeah, of course, of course. You want to introduce yourself, Holly and Karina? Yeah, so I think um, some of you, we was were definitely here the last week or the week before. So welcome back if any of you have been here before. And if not, just a quick intro on myself. So I'm VP of Demand Gen and Growth over at Mattermade. Um, we're a growth marketing agency and we work closely with Holly. So Holly, I'll pass the mic to you and, and you can quick intro yourself too. Uh, thanks everyone for joining. It's great to see your faces. Uh, I am currently a, a growth and marketing advisor, uh, primarily work with SaaS companies on their growth and marketing uh, strategy. Uh, but recently I took on a new role overseeing sales team as well. So uh, definitely some new challenges and, and uh, <laughs> uh, interesting interesting problems to, to figure out. Um, and yeah, really, really excited to just I think the best part for doing this is to meet uh, and talk shop with just amazing people who's really just creating new ways of doing things. There's really no books written or, you know, there's no set playbook in, in, in doing this. Uh, so uh, every time I, I goes away with uh, tons of learnings from our guests uh, and from the conversation. So yeah, we're really looking forward to today. Amazing. Yeah. And as we move through, if anyone has um, questions or things that they want to chat about, throw them in the chat and we'll make sure to get you guys on live and we can talk through those. Cool. So I think to start off, Holly, I know just with what you're working on right now, 
we want to talk through a little bit more marketing and sales. And then I think we can move into self-serve and like how to build out that growth team. Um, so Holly, I'll let you take it away on the marketing and sales front. Yeah, like I, I was just asking Chan uh, right before we start, because uh, Otter is such an interesting company, right? It's a very PLG company, just like Zoom. Uh, everyone can sign up and there's a pretty generous free tier. Uh, I think six uh, 600 minutes of free minutes that you can transcribe every single month. Uh, I, I know that sometimes uh, I need... Uh, more of those minutes and I just upgrade to a monthly plan. And sometimes I downgrade into a free plan again when I don't need uh, all those minutes. Um, and this is an individual use case, but there are a lot of companies and businesses needs this kind of service as a more of a core need and hardy need. And I would imagine you probably have a large number of individual use cases and end users, um, as well as the buyers uh, at companies. Uh, so I'm super curious to, to hear from you, Chan, like how are you thinking about structuring uh, marketing, like what marketing does, what sales does, um, when does sales come in and how do you structure that, uh, that strategy? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and uh, we are, so, so to, be, to be super, super honest, that we, are, we are still exploring that. Um, and uh, so uh, we we hired our head of sales and um, the, 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 the reason we are still thinking about establishing that department is that is because we are seeing a very strong demand that uh, we have penetrated into uh, ma many enterprises and we also have enterprise enterprise customers like IBM, like Pfizer. Um, so we are getting a lot of demands and um, and a lot of it is just how, so how things are happening is that we have, um, we have individual users from those enterprise companies, they started to use a product and some of them, they are, they are even from different departments and um, and sometimes it's, it's the, uh, the operation person, they, they started to know, they started to know, they started to notice a different reimbursement for our subscription. Sometimes it's the ID department and, um, and they will reach out to us and, and they started to have the conversation about an enterprise deal and when we talk about inter enterprise deal it's a very different motion combined to self-serve you need to go go through the procurement department they have a different IT, different IIT requirements so so that's also that that's when we we, we really we really, really need to that formal sales organization to properly hand handle those and to properly handle those and when does the sales and and yeah, so, so right now it's a more the, the, it's, it's majority inbounds and we have a really good problem to have. Well, we have very tiny tiny sales team, but we have very have very strong demand. That's also why we are we also started to think about how we can scale them. And um so 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 in, in back to your question, like when the sales team will come in. So right now it's a it's a majority inbound driven, meaning that uh, we have customers that reaching out to us. And we are also thinking about that how how we can start it to be more proactive reaching out to the potential buyers and and to think about how we use BDR to to come to convert some of the groups of uh, individual users to the team's accounts currently we're still doing preparation meaning that we are we are um so 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 our analytics team they are building segmentation model they are they're trying to understand the indicators and we're also building our lead on uh, lead, lead scoring algorithms trying 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 to think about what what are what are the best indicators for uh, for enterprise deals and what are the best indicators for us to generally lead for um for the sales team? Mm, there there's so much I want to unpack 
<laughs> let's uh let's start with um when when uh so like people you know sign up they read like do 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 you have uh almost a nurture sequence uh, after people sign up that say oh like our sales team is here if you want to contact us like when does when do you offer the option to contact the salesperson yeah we have uh, segmentation models meaning that um uh, we we have very very tiny uh sell we have a very tiny sales thing and uh, we have a good problem to have well we have a lot of demand so we are trying to convert as many of users in a self-serve motion uh, unless um, the, the 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 user profile fit and feed into the buyer persona unless the, the, the user is coming from uh, some of the bigger inter, bigger enterprises so we have so so you can imagine when users come when users sign up um so suppose so we just take a step back for our product we have a consumer paid plan we also have business paid plan and before we have that enterprise plan so so, so you can imagine when a user first sign up, we first want to understand is this a business users or, or, or this is more an individual user? And we have, a, we have, a, we have a segmentation model for that. And, and after that, within the business user, then we want to further understand is this more a small and medium company? Is it more self-serve or, 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 or this user can represent and, and can represent an enterprise well, our, that will actually worth our sales team's time. And, and with that, then we also have marketing qualification, and we have then then but then then we will send the lead to our, to our, to our, to our sales team, and the sales team they also have the sales qualification process. Mm-hmm. How do you identify uh, the folks? I would imagine probably a lot of people signed up with their personal email address. Do you ask for their title, company, or do you do some sort of data enrichment, or how do you actually identify these people? Yeah, yeah, we we have surveys. Uh, I think you already ca- ca- covered all of them. Yeah, we have surveys. We have data in, data enrichment, and also um, we we. Um we we also observe users' behavior. Like if a user they they had they they have a group and 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 they they and they they constantly working with um, working together with another group of users, then then we tend to think that that people they they work they working in groups and they might have a recurring meetings. It might it might not. We uh, have the, the, the strict definition for business, but but since that they have that recurring meeting, uh, so so they, they they have the behaviors like a team, and and there are there are some some, some other indicators uh, uh, in in, term, in, uh, in, uh, in terms of users' behavior, firmographic data, as well as our acquisitions for acquisition sources. So so right now that we have paid acquisition that determine on, on people's search keywords and, and there are some other targeting information from from the other channels. So um, so the so so segmentation model currently that we are we are we are picking up all the different signals and well we are we are synthesizing them in, in into the probability or um uh, of each user's uh, segment. And so the the original thinking is that for a lot of individual users they don't they don't necessarily need um, all on all the advanced features. Um, so, so we don't, we don't, we don't need to distract them. We don't, we don't need to uh, introduce the features that they don't like. So the original thinking of this model is actually just to provide um, more targeted or uh, um, uh, more targeted user onboarding and the, and the user and, the, and the user education to provide exactly the things our users need. Uh, so the original thinking is more about to provide a better user user experience and to provide a more personalized user experience. 
happens. Mm-hmm. I'm interested and always interested in like what what is the tech stack that supports that generally? And I think that's a question that everyone has is like, yes, we know we need to do this, but what is like the go-to? So I'm interested to hear what you guys are using over at Otter. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, we, yeah, so, so, so one, one, one of my, uh, one, one of my major focus in 2020 was actually to establish that centralized database. So that, so, so we have all the different data from third party, from user behavior. Um, so previously they were all sitting in different places. Uh, finally, in 2020, we were able to centralize everything and we were able to clean, we were, we were able to uh, clean up the data. So the data in, is in a organized, is in, is in a structured way. Uh, and, and it's ready for us to actually to, to dive in and, and to start to generate insight and start to think about different algorithms. Mm. In mm. in data enrichment, do you use like Clearbit or Zoominfo or LinkedIn? All of the above. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What it, yeah. So we're talking about the same language. Yes. You, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Holly, what have you? Is that, yeah. Is that the same thing that you that that you are using as well? Yeah. Like um, it's like no data enrichment tool can have you know, more than 50% of match rate. So it's uh, <laughs> it's like you almost have to either pick one and just like accept the reality or get two of them. And hopefully there's more coverage. Yeah. And some of them, they are good. Uh, they, are, they are better with company level enrichment. And some of them, they're more, they're, 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 they're bigger database for, uh, for individuals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you go about like thinking about Mm, a least scoring model. Yeah, I I, uh, I actually want to hear your thoughts on that. This is something that we are we are still developing actually. So we have mm-hmm. a very simple rule based model right now, uh, but I, I do think that that model can can be significantly improved. Are there any strong indicators that anything that uh, that 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 you are using right now? It really depends on company and stage. Yeah. Like, I feel like uh, so for a smaller company, typically the first step I recommend is like, what's your ICP? What's the type of uh, personas or job titles you want to attract? Uh, what's the company size? And for certain companies, uh, for certain companies, they have uh, more of a target uh, industry that they want to focus on. So these kind of like firmographic plus like personal information uh, is a combination of like a traditional um, uh, uh, lead scoring model. Uh, and then, you know, product-led growth companies, then product usage is part of that model and say, hey, if someone has reached a setup moment or uh, even like a habit moment, then that's a, a product a, a product qualified lead. Uh, and then you layer on the firmographic information. But sometimes, you know, you don't have a lot of firmographic information. And so just for certain clients, we just go by the product usage uh, data because that's like at least we have it for everyone. Uh, it's it's a combination. I feel like um, you almost have to have something to start with, and then as the data grows, uh, it can become more sophisticated. Yeah. Um, yes, ending that. I think the more you learn about product usage and what certain signals equal higher intent or like 
higher engagement, longer term or like longer retention lifetime value, you start to key in on those and building those back into your like base level model. But it's always just like starting somewhere and then you layer on, you know, whatever, whatever enrichment tools you have or any like product usage information. And then you can start to signal off of like the higher value engagement. Karina, I'm sure you have built lead scoring or like, you know, MQL, PQL models for lots of your clients. What, what kind of, what specific signals have you used in building your models? Yeah. So it's, it's all the same things that you said in terms of ICP and like firmographic, and then it just depends on the company and the product, right? So typically it's understanding historically, you know, if somebody shares or creates for a loom, for example, creates a video, you know, three times, typically that's like a good indicator that they're in the product and they have this ICP. So they're, you know, the adoption is there and then we match them to whatever company. And if there's three other people across departments that are using it. So it turns into a big data orchestration. I'm always interested in like what tech stack everyone's using to gather all that data into one place. And then it does turn into an algorithm, right? It's no longer just if you fit this IP, ICP from a photographic perspective, it's all these other you know signals that we're getting from the product. Um, and then also how they engage with marketing and website and all those things. So I know that there are some people that do that with like Mad Kudu. I'm so interested to hear John or Holly, if you guys have used any other tech. Yeah, can, can we stay on that lead screen talk, uh, lead screen topic for yeah. a while? Um, do, do you have a different lead screen algorithm for mid market and uh, um, bigger enterprises? Because they sometimes they perform very differently, especially for in, bigger enterprises. They have a different call center, so they, 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 so there's no one single buyer. Uh, do do you do so how so how so how so how do you treat that and how how do you have a different uh, lead scoring algorithm? for 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 the market. I haven't typically in my experience built that out Holly, I don't know if you had, but I think it's just weighting it differently, right? Like if you're the individual always going to be the user, never going to be the buyer, you just weight those things differently than if you had the title of, you know, the decision maker that you've established in that org. Yeah, I I think like I've I've seen companies uh, doing account scoring uh, basically, like just like lead scoring, you score on the account level. So, like how many people within the same company has signed up or has interacted with the marketing material, and then you add on those scores together uh, as an account um, to indicate, uh, especially for enterprise companies. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think this is also an interesting segue into just the self-serve marketing funnel and how it is really such, it's such a different approach to your typical sales led marketing funnel, which is, you know, the MQL to SQL and let's typically always drive to sales. And so what does that look like for just hauling your experience or John, um, like driving people more towards product engagement, right? So when you build your lead scoring model, typically the heftier side of that is going to be product engagement. And so that turns into your marketing funnel, not, always to lead them to reach out to sales or to consume content, it's product usage. So I'd love to hear how you guys think about that or, or just your experience there. Uh, yeah, so 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 for Arthur, uh, we, we, we are in a you know, in very interesting situation where we also have that call, that consumer business. So so uh, so actually, when we first first joined the company in 2018, we were a pure consumer company. So 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 you can you can you can you can imagine the first few years that our folks were. Um, 
were were mainly focusing on driving user engagement to 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 get user to to start to use the product, um, and that's still a focus for the whole company. And um, before we 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 have that segmentation model, before we are able to um, think about how we can convert user, we still need the user to find value. We still need the user to reach that aha moment. So so from that perspective, it's very similar to uh, to the to the to the traditional uh, consumer company to really think about how we can um, properly onboard the user, how we can get the user to reach the aha moment quickly, and how how we can uh, increase the engagement and how 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 we can uh, increase the uh, the 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 sort of sort of social effect to help them to invite their friends, to invite their coworkers, and uh, and if they started to use the product as a group, then that will also in return to help on the engagement side as well. And and uh, by getting um, people from the same company to all start to use a, to all start to use a product, that also will help help with the penetration rate, and then that will that will also help uh, on the conversion uh, for for um, for the B two B side. But but before. But before we really start to think about that, um, that, um, that the B2B, con- con- B2B conversion, um, majority of our effort is still to, to think about how we can really bring value to the users and how, how, how we can, um, how we can help people to, um, to realize that product value sooner. Yeah. Well, one of the things, uh, we're, we're trying now, um, uh, is uh, was the sales team is uh, instead of having the sales team sign their outreach emails uh, of like BDR or something and just say uh, product specialist, uh, so people are more receptive of contacting mm-hmm. us and like uh, it's almost like offering offering the the person as a support uh, and uh, the goal for that conversation is really to make sure this person is getting value from the product. And if in the meeting, it sounds like there could be a potential deal, then uh, that becomes more of a sales conversation. Awesome. Yeah, that's so interesting to see how like that transition is happening. I think there's a lot of transition happening, especially as you see these, I'm seeing a lot of like traditionally sales led you know, motion and they want to move to more of a product-led motion. So figuring out how sales can effectively fit into that model. Um, so it's interesting, Holly, that you're getting that experience and owning the sales team. So I love hearing about that. Uh, I have lots of hypotheses. Uh, <laughs> I have not <laughs> have uh, conclusive uh, results uh, so far, it's very much of a like experimental phase. Uh, I'm starting to think probably like maybe our sales team reach out too early, or maybe the wording should be different, um, or maybe we should just like you know wait a little bit longer than two weeks uh, after people sign up to offer help. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, I wonder. I wonder how receptive people are or if they can tell like that it is a BDR, you know, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Maybe yeah, they should how, how And then how would you balance uh, the automated automated email um, versus a real human to, um, to get to give that white glove service? Do you have a different thresholds or how, how, how would you balance those? Yeah. So honestly, the currently um, the client I'm working with, there's no 
uh, there's no differentiation. <laughs> there's like everyone getting the onboarding email, uh, getting nurture. So that's more of a activation uh, process of getting into uh, the, the habit moment. Um, and then after the first, uh, I believe the first seven days or the first 14 days, then uh, there's more of a like a sales driven email that uh, came mm -hmm. from a uh, VDR, SDRs uh, email address. Um, but I wonder, uh, like, my hypothesis is currently we just like reach out to everyone who signed up. Um, one, uh, we probably need to be more focused on only the people who reached setup moment or habit moment. Um, at the same time, potentially getting to know more about who these people are um, in order to have a different strategy. So like w once we know a little bit more about where they work, what's the persona, ICP, do they do they reach our uh, ideal, uh, ideal uh, qualification process? Then uh, we do a lot more of a high touch personalized uh, outreach with, you know, different industry use cases or like thought leadership, et cetera. Um, yeah, this, the, it's, it's very, it's very new. Uh, but um, when I, when I think about like a, the Slack process, um, initially I would say uh, Slack is very similar to Otter, uh, which is purely inbound. It's like literally there's no sales outreach and we just wait for people to to raise their hand uh, and say, hey, like I need a more secure enterprise plan. Uh, can you draft a contract? <laughs> so our sales team is like, okay, cool. Like I don't have to do too much of a sale uh, and like conversion rate is extremely high um, until, and then like a later stage of Slack, uh, there is more of a outreach process, uh, especially for, some restricted industries like financial services, healthcare, government services, etc. Uh, even if uh, there could be some interest from them, uh, we still need to have more of a proactive sales outreach. Um, but for, for those, we still want to warm them up with marketing. So we still try to say, uh, let's target these uh, personas with uh, YouTube videos or uh, with some sort of thought leadership before salespeople uh, reach out to them. So uh, once there is a marketing warm up, the conversion rate is typically higher. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it almost feels like there ends up being two funnels and one is, you know, more of the pro coming in through product and then thinking through more of like an account-based marketing approach of like, okay, we have enough people in product, we have enough of the data to understand and we've won enough deals or have enough customers to understand who we can win with the fastest. Like let's marry those two data sets and have more of a, your typical sales led, like working together to pull those accounts along. And then on the the other side of the funnel is, yeah, like pulling people through with marketing and, and making sure we can get them to the aha moment. But I think for me, it's always like, I think we are talking about the after where like all the data exists and it's segmented and all the tools are running. But I think there's, there's this piece for people who are trying to incorporate that product-led motion and identifying like, how do I get to this, right? Like, how do I get to the segmented model? What are the things that we think through there? Um, and what is like, 
what is the tech stack that I need to support, you know, gathering all that data and segmenting it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Another hypothesis, what I have is it really depends on how complicated the product is, mm-hmm. you know? So, so for product like Slack or like even Otter, right? Like it's, it's pretty straightforward to understand, okay, like, you know, you communicate with Slack or like you transcribe with, with Otter, uh, like on the basic level, of course, like the product has a lot more sophisticated features um, that is not like that's that's beyond the, the basic foundation. But basic foundation is easier to understand uh, versus certain uh, SaaS products is a little hard to um, grasp for the average user. Even if the user is like a business user, it may not be that technical or sophisticated or it needs uh, more hand-holding. Um, so for, for those type of products, uh, there probably needs uh, like an earlier involvement from a human. Yep. yep. I think it also depends on the cost to serve a free users. So, so for some product that uh, if the marginal cost to serve an individual free user is actually pretty high, um, they might not be, uh, 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 the, 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 the economics might, might not make sense to pivot to the uh, product led. Um, it's, it's only because that, um, the, the, the product like that, it, uh, uh, it needs a very big, uh, free user base, um, before, before the whole system can work. But if the cost to support those users are pretty high, then a lot of time it, the idea actually won't make sense. Totally. Yeah. Like, go ahead. No, go ahead, I, I was going to ask, like, follow up with Chan, like, what's your theory on what kind of companies are, you know, suitable for a product like growth model and what companies don't? Yeah, I think it's uh, the the one the one the one that you that, that you just mentioned. Uh, the product need to be intuitive enough, uh, so it's uh, it that doesn't require a customer success manager to to help you to set up everything before the the users can experience that aha moment. Um, and uh, and uh, and the 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 support and the cost to support individual free users uh, will will need to be low enough to 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 scale. Um, and also, I, I think depending on the um, product itself, the product experience need to be really good, need to actually solve the end user's pain point. Because we are, we are aiming to, 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 to the end users to start to use a product and, and to start to advocate within the company. Um, so we, we really need to be able to solve the pain point of them to turn them in from, from users to advocators um, before a uh, before the product that company can uh, can can penetrate and, and uh, can expand yeah I totally agree with that and I I see companies that want to shift to this product-led motion that have typically been sales led and it's generally the answer is like you're better suited going more of a like Holly we talked about this last week or the week before like product snack because it is it the product requires such high touch from just a getting into the product maybe there's like a, a data ingestion component that has to happen where that aha moment can't happen really by the user by itself and so it requires so much product updates to be able to support that product led motion and then from a customer success or like a sales component bringing those people to the aha moment because becomes such a high lift um, and so I think, I do think that it, it's not possible for every company, especially if you've already headed down this more sales led motion and the product is really complicated. Um, but I think there are ways that you can take that product led 
you know, mindset and provide ways to get into the product that are more of a product snack versus like, you know, full product usage. Yeah, I really like how how you describe it as a mindset. Meaning that I do I do see I do see uh, I do see successful uh, examples. Well, people use that product led exa- uh, the the product like mindset to help the engagement to help to to, to help the activation. Because even even for a sales led company that after they sign the contract, they will still need to think about how 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 to get the end user to start to use the product, so so that they can they can they can upsell, and so so that they can they can they make sure that uh, today they, the 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 uh, the con the contract will be renewed. So I so I do see uh, successful examples. Well, the sales led companies they use that product that mindset to to continue to improve the product to address the end users pain point and to 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 really uh, uh to 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 really succeed in in engagement in activation and in uh, in renew. What are some common mistakes or pitfalls you try to avoid when working with uh your uh sales team? I think the biggest learning is just to maintain a really um, transparent communication um, because we do we do we do need the feedbacks from the sales team from the sales qualification process to to help us to continue to improve the the, the lead scoring to help us to continue to think about how we can better provide better leads. Um, so, so, so it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting balance, meaning that, uh, we don't want to send too many leads to the sales team because some of them, they might be lower quality, uh, that, uh, that actually waste, uh, our, uh, waste our sales team time. At the same time, we also don't, don't want to only send super high quality leads, um, because, um, uh, there, there are some, some, some deals that if, if they go through the self-surpass, then the, 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 uh, their revenue revenue might, uh, might be lower if, if we provide them, um, uh, uh, wide, wide glove services. So, so that's still a balance that we are, we are, we're trying to find. But, uh, but, but, but that's a team, team, team spot, meaning that it cannot be achieved only by the marketing team. It cannot be achieved only by the sales team. It needed two teams to work together to constantly to share feedback and, and, uh, and, and to continue to improve the process from both, from both sides together. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see that uh, in, your, in your new in your in your new organization that uh, the sales team and the and the growth marketing team that actually are reporting to, to the same executive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that is that is so that be super beneficial. That might be the new trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the the collaboration becomes a lot more close in product led growth companies between sales and marketing. Um, which potentially could be like more companies started to to think this way, like more of a from a overall revenue or overall growth perspective. How do we connect the dots? Yeah, we were talking about this last week too, and I think we will start to see that more. And then also just down to like whatever KPI those two orgs are responsible for, like there will be more overlap than generally exists today. Holly, how is it built out right now where you are? Is it like a shared KPI or are they two kind of different initiatives? Right now, uh, it, it's still being defined. Right now, it's separate, but okay. I'm thinking about changing that. What, <laughs> uh, yeah. just out of curiosity, what are the two separate? Yeah, so it, um, marketing is actually like the, the the main north star is reaching a certain number of setup uh, orgs. 
Yeah. So like marketing right now aligns a lot closer with product team uh, and, and really think about like from sign up to set up moment. Um, right. And sales org is almost like a, a separate thing. Uh, people think about, oh, like, um, let's set up X number of meetings with customers, uh, with people who signed up, uh, and let's get uh, X number of new orgs or new logos, uh, which yeah. is a very separate from uh, the, the the marketing and product org. Um, mm-hmm. I think potentially, uh, we want to align everyone to some sort of like PQL goal. Um, like, oh, of course, sales team always should have an ARR goal, uh, but like maybe the connection point is the PQL goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one follow up question: Where 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 do customer success seat? Is it belong sales team, or do you think it's a, it's a separate in addition to the sales org? Yeah, and typically, what I've seen is they sit as part of sales org. Yeah, um, yeah. SLAC uh, customer success report into the SVP of sales. Uh, in this org, they also um, like basically half of a salesperson's job is customer success. <laughs> uh, it's just a really small team. Uh, yeah. But I'm thinking potentially having like a dedicated customer success person. Because uh, mm-hmm. like I, I feel for product like those companies, customer success and customer support actually um, is really, really critical uh, for, for, for the success of the, uh, of the business. Oh yeah. So like, um, so there's also customer support, which is typically solving technical issues and like yep. support tickets and stuff. Um, at Slack, there's, there's actually a separate org uh, for customer, sub, uh, customer support slash uh, we call it customer experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's separate from the sales org. Uh, and I've seen companies having uh, one leader, uh, a sales leader that manages both uh, customer success and customer support. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting to see that and this kind of segues into what I know we were hoping to talk about and just like how to build growth teams or like what oh, a yeah. teams look like. No, this is a perfect segue. Like, you know, we see the rise of the CRO, which is kind of like that person who sits over sales and, and marketing. Like, what is that going to transfer into in terms of this? Yeah, like it totally makes sense to have this unification of product marketing angles and having those cases be overlapping, shape or form. So interested to hear Holly and Sean, like how you guys think about growth teams and like those, how to that who really should support the um, and any KPIs that we can mention. I would love to hear from Chang. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's something that I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking about as well. Um, so for the growth team, marketing, sales team, product team, as well as, as well as engineering team, especially the product-led companies that we, we work very close together. And, um, and there are currently two paths. And one, one is that we have a delicate team that they have a very strict, uh, a very strict reporting structure that that team will likely need design, need the PM, need engineering, need, need sometimes need support as well to really think about how we can improve the product flow, how how we can continue to experiment and how how, how we can think about um, different 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 user funnels. Um, another path is uh, it's more like uh, squats. 
uh, meaning that it's a uh, it's a it's a uh, it's a guild it's a, it's a uh, it's more like a guild of uh, people it's a, it's a it's a group of people that they they will form the based on projects. They can have a different uh, reporting department, but but when when we kick out the projects, then they will formally form a team. Uh, so so in that in that sense that we will have people with a more loosely defined structure that they will meet uh, every week. That will be focusing on the project and they will discussing the project uh, progress. And after uh, we uh, we we successfully complete the projects and then we can we can discuss uh, new projects and there will be new organization formed. Um, there are pros and cons for uh, for each one of them. Uh, I'm I'm really curious to hear you uh, to hear you to hear your experience on uh, which one do you prefer and and do you have any experience uh, with e with either one of them? So the the, the squad is a more formal pod. And then the guild is more informal project based. Yeah. So, so one, one, one is more a very strict reporting structure that we have a team that have a different, different people from different backgrounds. The other one is that they all have a different uh, reporting structure, like the PM, we are reporting to the product and the designer, we're reporting to the design team. But when we have a project, then everyone will uh, form a, a, a project based squad. Yeah, I'm curious to hear, um, Karina, what you've seen at your clients. Like, um, at uh, I, most often, I see uh, the former actually. Um, so, but the former that's mostly under product, like almost like a growth org. The growth yeah. org is primarily uh, has a growth product manager, uh, but also like a growth design, growth engineering, but they all belong to the growth org. Um, and sometimes there's like a growth marketing or slash uh, lifestyle, a, a life cycle marketing person who supports um, this, this, this squad. Um, but I, I have also seen more of a project based uh, so it's like, okay, like this quarter, we're going to improve, uh, have a moment. And then um, a few people got selected to really tackle this uh, as a as a focus for like on a quarterly basis. I've seen that as well. Yeah, I've seen, I haven't seen necessarily like the project base, but I see more of like those growth orgs where they're rolling up to a head of growth and it's much more of like those actual growth experiments. You have the growth engineer and you have like dev support or design support. And then you have like a life cycle marketing manager or, um, and they're really running, like it's solely focused on experimentation. Um, and I think that's great because everyone's running towards the same end goal is to make that like funnel more successful, but sometimes it's also, I mean, it comes down to every function that's separate. The communication doesn't happen. So if you have like a, a growth org and then you have a marketing org, they're so interrelated. And even though they have two separate goals, like if those aren't that communication or that um, collaboration doesn't happen, there's a lot that's, there's a lot that's left on the table. All right. We have a question from Peggy. Where does the product marketing sit in your marketing orgs? and what their role is in product-led motion. So in my experience, I'll go first, um, I don't really see product marketing support the product-led motion as frequently, at least in my experience, because I typically see like that growth org that has, you know, they're running mostly experiments. Product marketing is usually supporting more of like the sales-led motion in my experience. 
Um, but that's just my experience. Holly, I'm interested in hearing yours. We are we are hiring our first uh, the head of product marketing. <laughs> uh, the, the the reason we feel like that there's a need is that um, so to, to, to the growth work is really experienced in terms of uh, optimize existing things. Even though we sometimes we think think about how how we can launch a new uh, new user flow, how 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 we can personalize a different user flow, but that those are all based on the existing product features. Um, and while we we continue to uh, innovate our product, we're adding new features, and we are we are we are uh, we are thinking about how we can go to market with those new features. So the, so so this product marketing person will will be more support to um to take a new feature to to think about how 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 we can um how, how we can record the beta users and to get the feedback and and to to more taking the new feature from zero to one. Well, well, well after we launch we launch the product, uh, we we will we launch a new feature. Then the growth thing can come in and think about how 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 can we continue to improve the flow? How can can we continue to experiment to to increase the adoption rate uh, for um, for that new uh, new feature? Um, so so that's why we are thinking about hey we we, we do have that need, but that's why we are start we are start uh start we are start hurry. <laughs> yeah. It really, it really depends on the uh, maturity of the org as well. Uh, I've seen uh, more mature orgs or mature products. Um, product marketing supports more of a product launch and sales enablement. Um, and then for early stage uh, orgs, uh, product marketing does, like product marketing will write ad copy sometimes. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> no one else is like writing ad copy. Uh, uh, product marketing sometimes, you know, manages uh, content, uh, content marketing as well, and giving directions on uh, what messaging and and actually, you know, managing SEO agency. That also happens in certain orgs. It also depends on the skill set of the of the PM. Has they have they done it before? Are they more specialized, more generalist? Uh, but yeah, that's the beauty of working at an earlier stage company uh, as a PMM is like you get to work on lots of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>